I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of tears. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello and welcome to season five of 50 Years of Shit Robots. Wow! We've reordered all of the seasons. We had a, a slight spring clean, I suppose, didn't we, with our seasons? Yeah, we've whipped everything into order. From <laughs> goodness gracious, it needed a damn good whipping. Uh, this is Matt and Stephen here with the podcast that trawls through cinematic history, looking at all of the films that have had robots in and asking, really, were any of the robots any good? Season five begins with the birth of the 1960s. And our very first film, <laughs> first film today, is a film from 1960, an American film uh, called Sex Kittens Go to College, uh, also known as Beauty and the Robot. We left the 1950s with the Colossus of New York, which was an extraordinary sort of... Serious. Yes, battle between religion and science. And um, family. And <laughs> and we, we arrive in 1960 with... It's it's essentially, it's, it's a carry-on film, isn't it, I suppose? But it's kind of sexploitation. What do you mean by sexploitation? Uh, using using um, women in tight-fitting sweaters and salacious dancing, and and basically using sex as the as the thrust of the film. Yeah, it's essentially sort of like ch- cheeky, slightly smutty uh, film in this yeah. in that sort of carry-on mold. Except that it also I don't know if you saw this version, but it has a it has a sort of like a an extended striptease section uh, near the end of the film. Slotted in for the European audiences. Well, and also I was reading, for that was when it was released in America. It got a release in adult theatres, apparently. Yeah, I was going to say, it takes it down to a grindhouse level, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I was shocked. <laughs> it's really shocking. It comes completely out of nowhere. We'll, we'll maybe chat about it when, uh, we, when we get to it, but yeah. So, Let's just say we'll never understand if androids dream of electric sheep, but we know what robots dream of. Well, we do, don't we? The film poster has the the subheading, you never saw a student body like this. Uh, Sex Kittens Goes to College is set at uh, an American college on a college campus where the powers that be... Are at the beginning of the film are excited because they're waiting for a new professor, Dr. Matilda West, who holds 13 degrees and speaks 18, 18 languages. And when Dr. West turns up, um, it turns out that Dr. West is Mamie Van Doren, who in the history of cinema was known as one of the three M's. Yes, she was. As Who are the Mon- other M's? Uh, Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield. Now, there's okay. a bit of a history here as well, a tiny bit of a history. Jane Mansfield became famous playing a parody of Monroe in a Broadway player called Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter. Now, that part was going to go to uh, Mamie Van Doren, but she turned it down. Certainly, Mamie Van Doren looks 
has that has that sort of blonde bombshell look, doesn't she? That very she sort does. of Marilyn look. She lasted longer than all of them. She's still alive now. She's in her nineties. I, I mean, full marks for still being alive as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> Marilyn and Mansfield did uh, come to some sticky ends. Yeah, they did. So she's the only one of the three M's who's still alive, and she's playing Dr. Matilda West. Now, the point of it is is that the college are expecting a sort of fusty, fuddy-duddy professor, and what they get is essentially sort of Marilyn Monroe. They get like a a blonde bombshell who uh, kind of like just puts a a right old spanner in the works as far as um, everyone is concerned, particularly for a character called Woo-Woo Grabowski. (laughs) Played by Woo-Woo Grabowski. They chose um, Mamie Van Doren's character. It was the it was the robot that chose her, because the robot can make these great predictions, as we'll see later on in the film. And it picked. They decided to use the robot to to pick the new um, head of department, and it picked her. And then wow. there's this crazy scene during the title sequences, where the professor who runs Thinko, that's his name. It, there's a scene with him. Um, Thinko and Vampira doing crazy things in the laboratory and reading yes. out this, um, reading out the statistics of, of Mamie's character. And then he decides that it's not a good thing that this, uh, this person should be, should be head of department. And he goes, tear arsing. Oh, can I say that? We have done. I have done. He goes, tear arsing to the train station where they are going to meet her. So it's the robot's fault already. Do you know, that's fascinating. I hadn't. I couldn't work out what the hell was going on in that opening sequence. Well, do you know what? There's an awful lot in this film that you can't work out a it lot. Is, it is directed, written by, and produced by the same person, Albert Zugsmith. Yeah, and who descended into exploitation films, didn't he? Well, I mean, he... I'd say that he... Like, the story seems to be, like, quite low down on his list of priorities in this film. <laughs> Would you say? Yes, very low bar. <laughs> So, I mean, I can't believe we we forgot to mention it until that point. But yes, there is a robot in this film. Yeah. <laughs> we will come to. So the, the college suddenly have to deal with this very sort of sexy college professor who can speak 18 languages and has got 13 different degrees. But has a Vegas history. She has a Vegas history. We find out uh, later on that she was once a stripper known as the Tallahassee Tassel Tosser. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And during a during a, a routine on stage that involved some mentalism, she realised she'd got a photographic memory, and so she she basically like read loads of books and memorised them, and that's how she can uh, kind of like conduct herself as a college professor. And to 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 sort of uh, illustrate this, when she's thinking things, she has the book that she's got a photographic memory of and she's turning imaginary pages yeah and reading it's very good isn't it very good <laughs> i mean the, the the thinking behind this is basically you can't be beautiful and intelligent at the same time yeah it is isn't it really yeah that's yeah. it yeah you've got to be either one or the other yeah thick um, and beautiful or dowdy and intelligent yes because but that that is a sort of trope in the film, isn't it? There are other characters who kind of fall into one of those two categories. Yeah. Um, Oddly enough, Jane Mansfield had a very high IQ equal to that of Albert Einstein, oh, which right. she was quite happy to play dumb blondes, platinum blondes. Sorry. 
so there's that storylines going on in the film of the college professor and the way that that like different people react to this kind of like very beautiful very glamorous professor then there's another storyline which involves um thinko the robot uh who is a, a campus robot who has been developed by professor watts and he uh, has created a, a robot and given him a task which was to um, sort of analyze gambling data. Yeah, which, which it basically intent- means that there's some gangster doesn't like the idea that some some person called Sam Thinko is muscling in on his act. So he yes. sends two two toughs um, to go and find out who he is and tell him to stop and rough him up. Yeah. But Sam Thinko, they, they think Sam Thinko is a person, but they Sam do. Thinko is a robot. SAM is an acronym for Sequential Auxiliary Modulator. And Thinko is just like a... Just Thinko. He thinks a lot. He thinks. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, there is almost... There's almost no plot. There's a, there's, there are lots of sequences. There's a sequence in the film where the, the robot sort of is set on fire and and the fire and a fire engine turns up and essentially it's like watching it really reminded me of like the goodies or something an orchestrated set piece around just pure sort of like slapstick mayhem fire extinguishers going off that sort of thing but it was quite a bit of, quite extended sequences it was a long sequence it's a bit of a runoff from like the keystone cops and came to its height in a film called uh, hell's a poppin which boasted a gag every minute and it was one of these crazy crackpot movies but this one doesn't quite crack the pot (laughs) no it doesn't does it it's funny isn't it because we said that it was a bit carry-on i suppose because of the fact that that sort of sex and sort of jokes about sex are at the forefront but there's virtually like in a in a carry-on film there's there's obviously there's lots of wordplay in a carry on film, isn't there? And that's yeah. not where that's not the source of the of the humour in this. No, it's very sort I of mean, like physical. One of the world's greatest puns came out of the carry on films, wasn't it? Infamy, infamy! They've all got it in for me. Which is brilliant. <laughs> there's one line in this film that I did laugh at, and it comes from John Carradine when he's meeting. Um, Mamie Von Darren's character to take her to a, a a bar, and he says, "What a beautiful dress! What there is of it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's like it. That. that is one funny line. So those twin storylines: professor who is attractive, and the the college not being able to deal with it, and then the the mafia hoods after Sam Thinko. They sort of play out <laughs> as you'd imagine, but in the end. Uh, Dr. Matilda West decides that she doesn't want to be a, a, a college professor and leaves. However, one of the administrators, um, who sh- they've fallen in love and they they end up they end up leaving in the end, don't they, together? He pursues her before she can get on the train in yet another sort of Keystone Cop sequence on a fire engine <laughs> with with a with a rogue ladder on the back with yeah. uh, one of the professors on it. Yes. But sort of just before that sequence, just just before the film ends, there's this nine-minute dream sequence, which is all which is connected to the robot quite distinctly. It's it's after he's been set on fire, and after that sort of that Keystone Cops moment, he has a nervous breakdown. Yes, right, he has a nervous breakdown, and then he's sort of lying lying in a bed, being bandaged, and 
with a sort of like a sexy oh. nurse looking after him. <laughs> Caressing and, his arm and pursing right. her lips. <laughs> and then there's this thing about whether whether Thinko dreams and what he dreams about. And then we see what he dreams about, which is which is basically strippers. Yes, this is Mamie Van Deren's character's um, research. It's all about men and their fantasies. So she asks Thinko, well, what are your dreams? And then we go into this dream sequence. Yeah. Which is jaw-dropping. It is jaw-dropping because it's it's basically it's he's in a science lab. No, he's uh, in the bar. Was, and he's got um he's dressed as a schoolboy. <laughs> uh he's got a little cap on. He's got a bottle of bourbon next to him and Voltaire the chimpanzee. Yeah. yeah. And there's a cleaner. The cleaner's cleaning and then um Thinko makes some sort of noises and she looks up and he says, dance, tut. <laughs> so she puts some lipstick on and then takes her dowdy clothes off and then literally does a full on, I'd like to say it's burlesque, but it's not. It's basically stripping. But she's constantly got these little Wellington boots on, which yeah. just look just look awful. But when it first came on, I was thinking, hang on, this isn't kind of traditional style Hollywood dancing, not even for the 60s. It's not like uh, beatnik dancing. And then I suddenly realized what was happening. Yeah. And I was actually shocked when it got right down to her panties. Yeah, I know. And and so then there's just like about two or three other, other dancers who come in and strip. The, the second one that comes in and strips... It reminded me of the film Gypsy, where there's a song in the film Gypsy called You Gotta Have a Gimmick. And each one of these dancers has a slight gimmick. And the second one is bending over backwards and showing her bejeweled crack. Dance, doll. <laughs> yeah. And what I think is interesting is that, as you said, there is a chimpanzee in this film who's a character. Yeah. And yet we've barely given them a mention because it's like it's the least weird thing in this film. There's a moment when the chimpanzee is at a typewriter. It's another one of Dr. Matilda West's experiments to see if a chimpanzee can type something coherent. And there's a scene where the chimpanzee is laying on his back with his hands behind his back and he's typing with his feet. And mm. I just kind of was thinking, is he typing the script for this? <laughs> yeah. And in the clip, in the, in the trailer, uh, there is a voiceover and it's Mel Blanc. Is it? Yeah. Well, can we just have a little chat about the cast? All right, the go. The cast yeah. is, I think, pretty extraordinary. It is. So we've chatted about Mamie, who is uh, still alive, which is brilliant. Love that. As is Tuesday Weld, who's in the film, who was a, an actress, sort of real note, right? Yeah, yeah. She went on to win many, many awards, and she was in some uh, excellent films. So this was sort of the beginning of her career, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you've got uh, Jackie Coogan playing the sort of like the head of the college, Admiral Wildcat McPherson. Blatantly channeling W.C. Fields. Um, it's unbelievable, isn't it? This ravishing, my love, this little fountain of beauty has done me the honour to consent to become Mrs. Admiral Wildcat McPherson. Um, and he would go on to play in three years' time... Uh, Uncle Fester in yes. the Adams Family TV series. Yeah, and he started out as the kid in Charlie Chaplin's film The Kid. He did. So that's like a pretty extraordinary career, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very I'd much say. so. With 
uh, sex kittens goes to college <laughs> in the middle of it. Um, you've, as you say, you've also got Conway Twitty, who mm-hmm. is sort of like, I don't know, like a real low-rent Elvis, I suppose, isn't he? Oh, he's a weird one. He's been the butt of lots of jokes in Family Guy. If they need to cut to something that's just, they'll they'll just cut to Conway Twitty if they if they've got nothing else. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yikes! I could use a distraction right now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. Conway Twitty, you'll be surprised, is not his real name. His real name is. Why Har- would you pick Twitty? <laughs> I know. His real name is Harold Lloyd Jenkins, and ha- there's a Harold Lloyd connection as well to this film. Because, yeah, Harold Lloyd Jr., Harold Lloyd's son, is an uncredited policeman. He is. And Charles Chaplin Jr. is an uncredited fire chief. He is. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing that there's two children of silent movie greats? Not being very great in this film. This film. (laughs) Um, So the, the, the cast is... It's a really, really interesting cast. Got to mention John Carradine. Yes. Playing Professor Watts, who was considered one of the greatest character actors in American cinema. (laughs) I know. It's weird, isn't it? And Vampira, the wonderful, wonderful Vampira playing Etta Toodie. Yes. She was made famous in the Ed Wood films, especially Plan 9 from Outer Space. She's an amazing character. I really don't understand why there's never been a film made about Vampira. Yeah, well, maybe they should be. They should be. Yeah. So, yeah, so the cast for this film is really fascinating, not least because of the robot, who is Sam Thinko, played by an actual real-life robot called Electro. The Westinghouse robot. So we've been wanting to talk about Electro for ages um, because Electro sort of existed in the world way before 1960, didn't he? Or didn't yes, it? he did. He'd had, a, he'd had a history before the 1960s. By the 1960s, he was, Electro was on a decline. <laughs> uh, so he was, built between no 19, he was built between 1937 and 1938, okay. uh, the Westinghouse Electric Corporation in Mansfield. He was seven feet tall, weighing 265 pounds, a humanoid in appearance. He could walk by voice command, speak about 700 words, smoke cigarettes and blow up balloons. <laughs> I love that, that they, uh, for the time, it's like, what can we get him to do? Cigarettes, let's get him to smoke cigarettes. And he was created basically to, as an attraction. So if you went along to a Westinghouse electrics display in any of the shops, you're not going to go home and say, oh, I saw a really great iron or a hoover. But if you saw a mechanical man that could do things that kind of precedes the kind of innovation that Westinghouse could produce. Mm. And on that level, he was amazingly successful, but he had a family before him. What? So Electro's predecessors were Herbert and Katrina von Televox. They were like robot servants and Willy Vocalite. And Willy Vocalite was a little bit like Electro, but could speak fewer words and did fewer tasks. But um, I think at his height, Electro appeared at the 1939 New York World's Fair, which he appears in the Middleton family at the New York Welfare film. Yeah. I've where seen you can watch the... all of his antics. Yeah. But, but he could be called the bad boy of robots. Go on. Like... 
Well, he's the equivalent of like Robert Downey Jr. or Peter O'Toole because, I mean, he's like smoke cigarettes. Yeah. He gambles yeah, because he gambles in Sex Kittens. He's appeared in Sex Kittens Go to College anyway. Yeah. He spent some time working in an amusement park in California. In another fantasy world, he's retained as a robot butler for the All-Star Squadron in the DC Universe and appropriately, Electro's head turned up in a basement and his body in a barn. And he was put back together and now resides in the Mansfield Memorial Museum. He is the bad boy of robots. He is the bad boy of robots, isn't he? Some of the things he likes to say was like he describes himself as a smart fellow with a fine brain. Which sounds like Donald Trump. He does, doesn't he? Well, he's got a slightly wider vocabulary at 700 yeah. words. You know, <laughs> and he had a dog. It's so, it's so brilliant. And I like that fact that he was there to sort of help promote the, the electrical store. Yeah. Because that feels, that's reminded me of um, L. Frank Baum, uh, the uh, Wizard of Oz creator. That's where he got the Tin Man idea from, wasn't it? That he would, he, he would, he went around trying to sell ironmongery put did, together yes. a, a sort of like a person made out of frying pans and colanders and all that sort of stuff the tin man's history really is rooted in in marketing in the same way that electros is yeah it was a way of getting people interested in the products yes. instead of just showing them a toaster in the film the middleton family at the new york's world fair um there's a point where a woman actually says but isn't it a shame he doesn't have a brain or a heart no, it hits really. right at the yeah, it hits right at the core of of um, what we talk about with the robots. Now we always rate the robot in fil- in films. Why don't we rate Electro in this film, or, or, or Thinko rather in this film? Let's just refresh our brains, just in terms of r- where we are with robots. Uh, we've had the col- just had the Colossus of New York. Um, we've had the humanoid robot in the Aztec mummy versus the humanoid robot. We've had Kaiju for the first time. Um, we've had Kronos, the enormous brutalist car park robot. And we are, we're about six years from Robbie, the robot in the forbidden planet. So where does, where do you think Thinko slash Electro sort of fits into all of that? Are we going to rate him purely on Sex Kittens Go to College? I mean, I feel like we've got to, really, haven't we? Right, he's he's really pretty shit in the film. He doesn't have very much to do, and he seems to do that pretty well. Uh, things do take a dark turn, though, when he's asked what his dreams are like. He has about as many lines in it as Arnold Schwarzenegger does in Terminator. Yeah. And also, he's, his aesthetic is very, well, very of the 1930s, isn't he? So he doesn't look very exciting or interesting. There's a great bit in that film you, you were talking about, the one from the World's Fair, the New York, New York World's Fair, where the, the person who's controlling Electro, he says, come here, Electro, and so Electro moves forwards, but then cannot turn, and so the, the guy has to physically like turn him. So it feels like that, the, the Electro slash Thinko like, has inspired that lumbering motion of of so many robots that we've enjoyed in the 1940s and 50s so far maybe so how are we rating electro how are we rating thinko but without any of his history i I think he's he's a three yeah i think he's probably a three as well yeah um (laughs) i think this film as well is one of the few films we've seen that 
it could just as easily not exist for this film. And it would, the, the ripple that wrenching it out of history, the ripple would be so minute. It would make, you know what I mean? It would make it, it, no one, no one would notice, would they? No, uh, I do like to watch trailers from hell. And Trailers from Hell is the brainchild of Joe Dante, who used to, before he was a director, used to put together trailers for films. Okay. So it's a it's a passion project of his. And he actually did the little, they're only about three or four minutes long. They never go longer than five minutes. And he did the one on Sex Kittens Go to College. Excellent. And he opens this by saying, we'll never find the lost footage for the Magnificent Ambersons or the Lady from Shanghai. But sadly, we have... We have Sex Kittens God College in its full form on DVD. Yeah. It left me with a very strange, dirty feeling after watching it. <laughs> I'd have a Not shower. in a good way. No, I'd have a shower after watching it. Um, um, so, yeah. So, but, you know, we are where we are where we are. We've got to get through these, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has introduced us to real world robots. It has introduced us to real world robots, which is great. So we've we have made a start on season five. We've got through Sex Kittens Goes to College. We never have to watch it ever again. That's that's good. That's a win as far as I'm concerned. And we move on to our next film, which is I think going to be a real palate cleanser for us mm. because it is the film First Spaceship on Venus. I think it's a forgotten groundbreaker. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to chatting about that. We will do that next time. Um, check out all the show notes, though, please, because we'll be putting all of the stuff we've been talking about. You'll be able to see Electro at the World's Fair um, if you go to the show notes. And it's really worth watching because it is very funny. <laughs> it's a really funny film. Uh, so check that out. Uh, make sure that you subscribe and that you like and that you share this podcast with all your friends. We'd be like, like your best friends for life if you did that. And also it means that you never miss an episode. It'll just like ping into your inbox and then you'll go, oh, yay, it's Monday. There's a new episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots. Hooray. Huzzah. Huzzah. Um, so we will see you next time with another thrilling installment. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.